welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you want to open up at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You, some of you will be pleased to know we are more than halfway through the book of Ephesians. And uh, you didn't think we'd get there, did you? But we get there. In fact, I don't think we're going to finish the whole book by Christmas. But... Um, because we're going to stop in December, we're going to, to think about uh, the Christmas story and that kind of stuff, and we'll pick it up in the new year. Um, but uh, but hopefully we'll get uh, through chapter five before Christmas. All right. And uh, we've been taking a walk. For those of you who've not been a part of that the last uh, couple of months, we've been taking a walk through um, Ephesians, and really we're, it's a different series for us as a church. Uh, we've not. It's not a thematic series. This is just going to the text and finding out what Paul has to say in this context to the church in Ephesians and also to us. So it's, it's line by line, precept by precept, principle by principle. Uh, we believe that, uh, that the God's word is powerful in this church. And we believe that as we get to know who God is and, uh, and, and it reveals more about him to us as we discover it, and then we apply it to our lives and that's where the power comes, that's where the change really happens. And so we're making that journey through. And we're in uh, halfway through uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We started on chapter 4 last week. And uh, well, the Apostle Paul has, has taken a shift, we know that. He's taken a shift to talk about how our lives should change now in the knowledge of who God is and all that he's done. And he has, he has something to say in this portion of the text about uh, out with the old and in with the new. Out with the old and in with the new. And he, he's encouraging us to have a clear out. And he's encouraging us to take a stock of our lives and to think about what needs to go and to think about the new stuff that's got to come. Uh, and I love this uh, principle that when you think about this in life, that, that actually it's something we're accustomed to. We're accustomed to, I know none of us particularly like change, and we maybe try and hold on to, to some of the old stuff that we've had or done or been. But actually progress and development is a natural part of life, True. I'm guessing, anyone have a, a log burner at home? A few of you have a log burner. I'm guessing you don't start that fire with a flint. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that, uh, that maybe you have a gas lighter instead of a flint. Anyone got a flint? No? I, I'd, I'd take a gas lighter over a flint any day. Anybody else? And, and maybe you've got those little tablets you can put in, those little fire lighters that make it easier. Because you're all about efficiency, true? I don't want to waste my time trying to like blow and spark and create a fire because I understand that, that actually we've moved on since then. I bet that most of you in today, in fact, in a room like this, none of you pulled out when we went, opened up the Word and we said, okay, right, now we're going we're gonna to learn some stuff. None of you pulled out a parchment and a pot of ink and a feather. Most of you pulled out a phone and you thought about taking notes, if, at the very least, even if you're not taking notes, you thought about it for a second, maybe I could be one of them people who takes notes. <laughs> or maybe I could check Facebook and everyone will think I'm still taking notes. <laughs> Most of you, you, you travel today, you didn't travel by horse and cart, especially not in these conditions. Probably most of you, if you didn't walk, you got in a car and you drove. Why? Because it's much more amenable than parking your horse up overnight outside and having a stable for your horse. 
Most of you, I guess, this morning when you got up and you used the, the bathroom, I'm guessing that most of you didn't use an outside toilet. You used an inside toilet. True? I don't know about you, I'm so thankful for new developments. I'm thankful for progression. I'm thankful for moving forward. I'm guessing that most of you at home, you don't have a tin bath. Some of you might be able to remember when you did have a tin bath. But I'm glad that I don't have a tin bath. Anybody else? I'm glad that I can, I can in, the, in the warmth of my home, I can turn on my hot tap and have a nice bubble bath rather than a tin bath where I'm having to boil the water for the bath. In life, we understand that, that actually there's a progression and we move away from some of the old stuff in order to enjoy the new things that are before us. True? I think about, um, as in, through my teenage years, I, I had a really good diet through my teenage years. It consisted of chicken nuggets and chips. Uh, every meal that I ate was chicken nuggets and chips. What do you want for tea? What do you want for dinner? Chicken nuggets and chips. Nothing else. Well, I'm making a roast dinner. No, I want chicken nuggets and chips. We go out for a meal. Maybe, maybe we go out for a takeaway or, or, or grab something. What do you want? Well, do they do chicken nuggets and chips? Because that, that's all I want. I don't know whether you, you, you know, your taste buds, taste buds have developed over the years or whether you, you can identify that with your kids. What do you, what do you want? Well, chicken nuggets and chips with tomato ketchup. I remember staying at my friend's one night and, um, and his mum and dad came home and they'd bought a Chinese. Now for like a, a chicken nuggets and chips man at the time, a Chinese was a no-no. And I remember they, they didn't ask if I wanted any. They just served me some up, some chicken fried rice. I still remember the little foil wrapper that it came in. And they, they sliced it in half. They gave my friend half. They gave me half. And they put it on the table before us. And I thought to myself, uh-oh. That doesn't look like chicken nuggets and chips. And it had these green things in, which I now know are peas. <laughs> And I'm sat at the table thinking, oh no, I, I, I can't be rude. I can't say I don't want the food. I'm going to have to eat the food. And I'm having to pre prepare myself mentally. And I remember picking up my fork and I was like, what is this? A fork? Never seen one of these before. And, and I picked up my fork and I, and I put it in the, the rice and I'm smiling. But on the inside, I'm thinking, I'm just going to have to swallow this down without chewing it. Because it's not chicken nuggets and chips. And I remember the, the first time I grabbed my fork and put the rice, the fried rice with chicken and peas in my mouth, expecting just to swallow it down. I had an epiphany. <laughs> As it hit my tongue and my taste buds, it was almost like the Apostle Paul, I imagine, on the road to Damascus, where he's seen a great light before him and he now knows the truth. And I thought, this is actually really good. From that day forward, it started a love affair in my life with Asian food. Chinese, I love Chinese, Thai, curry, whatever it is. I love it. Uh, and guess how, guess how often now I eat chicken nuggets and chips? Only when I'm finishing the kids' plate, kids' meal. <laughs> chicken nuggets and chips, it's gone. It was old. And what the Apostle Paul has to say to us in Ephesians chapter 4, the second half, is he's showing us that that before you knew who Jesus was, it was like you survived on a diet of chicken nuggets and chips. You might have liked it. 
You might have even craved it. But actually the sustenance in it, the goodness in it, the nutrients in it are not really good, that good for you. But there's a new meal, a new way of living, a new life that God's now set before us. And the Apostle Paul is showing us that you've got to get rid of the old and embrace the new. Three aspects to which Paul talks about in this text. The first aspect is this. The first thing he talks about is he talks about, number one, the old person. The old person. Now, he's not talking about an old person in terms of age. He's talking about an old person in terms of who you used to be, the past you, before you knew Jesus. And here's what he says in verse 17. He says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. What, is it, what do Gentiles mean? Gentile, Gentile it literally means unbelievers, those who don't know who Jesus is. Don't long, no longer live like unbelievers live. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And, Paul says, they are full of greed. He's painting this powerful picture of the old person versus the new person. And he's saying to us as, as Christ followers now, as people who've, who've understood who Jesus is, that now our lives should look differently. Our walk should be differently. Now Paul's writing to a church, remember, a church in Ephesus, which is entrenched in idolatry. Like literally the, the temple of Artemis is at the center of this city. And, and all, all that, that's related to the worship of Artemis is, is kind of sensual. We've talked about that over, over the last few weeks of, of, of what they're giving themselves to. That it's one of, in the time that Paul writes this, it's one of the seven wonders of the world is the temple of Artemis. People travel from all over. Let the, the city's prosperous as a result. So they've given themselves to all kinds of materialism. And Paul writes this to them and he says, now that you know who, who God is, who Christ is, your life should look different. You should not look to blend in, is what Paul says. Actually, as I think about it, I think about our culture, I think about our context. There's a lot of similarities, really, between Ephesus and, and our modern-day society in terms of what we give ourselves to. And Paul says, now you should be different, you should look different, and you should act differently. He says, before you knew who Jesus was, here's what you were walking in. You were walking in the futility of the mind. Three things. Number one. Number two, with darkened understanding. In other words, you were ignorant to the truth. And number three, you were alienated from God. You were separate from God. There was distance in between you and God. But now he says, now you've come to know who God is and who Jesus is. Um, you're no longer to think and live and act like that. That now you know better. He's saying that in the old life, these things, the futility of mind, the darkened understanding and the alienation from God, they were the pattern of the old life because that's all you knew. You were operated in the old person with the wisdom that you had, which was your understanding, your reasoning and the culture around you and what it had to say to you. But now, he says... You know better. You remember that those words coming out of your parents' mouth as a child? You know 
better than that. I find those words coming out of my mouth with my children now. You know better than that. Because if you didn't know, you'd have an, you'd have an out and an excuse. But Paul says, now you know better. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 tells us this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom began, true wisdom began in your and my life when we came into contact with God and understood who Christ was. It was the beginning of wisdom. Before that, we operated in our wisdom and in an earthly wisdom. Now we've come to know God, according to Scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where wisdom really starts. You've been made aware of something that beforehand you were not aware of. Does that make sense? I've got an iPhone and uh, I, I chat to people who have iPhones occasionally. And I don't pretend to know much about phones. I just, I just like it. And I was chatting to someone the other day. He's a little bit of a, a tech buff. And uh, they were telling me about the new update for the iPhone. And they were telling me that there's an option on there to have dark mode on the new iPhone. Have you, anyone heard of this? Yeah, you, some of you are probably Android lovers. We'll pray for you later on. <laughs> Don't you worry. Don't worry. We've got time for ministry today. And, um, I, I, and they're telling me about the dark mode. And I looked at my phone and I have the new update on my phone. And then they showed me how to get dark mode active. On my phone, which literally gives you on all your apps, on your messages and that kind of stuff. It puts a black background on, which if you know me, you know I like black. <laughs> Dark mode. And, and, I'm, and I'm sat there and I realized this is the capabilities on my phone, but I didn't know how to access it. But now I know I want it. Think about this. Anyone else like to go into the cinema? I love films. I love going to the cinema. I found out a few months ago, as, as I showed up on a Monday accidentally, you can watch any film, any time, at a view cinema for four ninety nine. That's some, me and you there, Kath. We're there together. And I'm like, man, it costs like 10 quid usually to go to the cinema these days. I can get it for half the price, four ninety nine. Well, since I found that out, guess what day I go to the cinema? Monday. And guess how much I pay for my film? Quite proudly. $4.99. I love, handing, I love handing my cash over or paying on my car. Four ninety nine. Oh, yes. Okay. Because before I knew I was paying a, a different price. But now I know it's almost like I've got secret knowledge. I've been given secret knowledge and now I know, now I have a choice. What Paul says is before Jesus, you didn't know. And you didn't have a choice. Now you know who Jesus is and you're on a journey with him. Now you have a choice. And he says, now with the freedom of, of wisdom that you've really been given, true wisdom, and with a knowledge of who Jesus is, now choose to put off the old person. Don't live any longer as you used to live, but, but be transformed and live in a new way. Well, if we're to think about the, the old person and the new person, well, what happened to the old person the moment that we came to know who Jesus is? Well, Paul tells us in Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 6, he says this. He says, For we know that our old self, 
was crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer live as slaves to sin. What a great verse, hey? What Paul's telling us is that as Jesus hung on that cross, as he gave his life as a ransom sacrifice, that he didn't just die so that we could be forgiven from sin. He died so that we could live free from sin. Think about that. It's one thing to be forgiven of sin. It's another thing to live free of sin. And he says the old man, the old person who was characterized by just giving in to whatever desires he, he had, and that, that old way of life before you knew who God was with earthly wisdom and your own reasoning, now live differently in light of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and recognize that that old person was literally crucified with Christ. That you could live free and that you could live full. Don't know about you, that's exciting. That I'm no longer a slave to me. But now I live for him and him at work in me. I know what some of you are thinking, well, why, if the old man's dead, why do I still have the, those impulses? And why do I still act at, in at times and occasion like the old man? If you were to speak to someone who works in a morgue, not that I know that any of you do. <laughs> uh, if you were to speak to someone who works in a morgue, they'd tell you this, that, that when, a, when someone dies, literally a, a day or even up to two days after that person is dead, they'll still twitch and move. The, the, the spasms of the muscles, and they'll contract and they'll twitch. Imagine that. Like, that's freaky, isn't it? Like, imagine, imagine like they're dead, but they're, they're still moving. There's movement in them. I want to suggest that, that the old man, the old woman, the old person's dead, but occasionally there's a twitch. That doesn't mean they aren't dead. It just means that there's still some muscle memory wrapped up in the old person because of old patterns. And Paul says, now the old person's gone. You can live new. For some of you, any day today, you can have victory. For some of you facing some stuff and you've given in and you've given up. I came to remind you afresh today, Paul says, the old man is dead. There's new. There's a new person. He goes on to describe the new person, number two, in the text. He says this in verse 20. He says that, however, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth, that is Jesus. Now you know the truth. Paul says, before you didn't, now you do. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new, listen to this, in the attitude of your minds. Where does it all begin? Right here. Not your forehead, your mind. <laughs> it begins between your ears. That's what Paul says, is it starts with your thinking. If your thinking is defeated before you've even tried, no wonder you fail. He says, be made new in the attitude of 
your minds. He says elsewhere in Romans chapter 12, uh, chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something's got to shift. Something's got to change. The greatest move of God, the greatest miracle you and me need is a change in our thought life, according to Paul. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self. When you change your thinking, you begin to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul shifts his focus from focusing on the old man and now he wants to talk about the new man. He says you're to put off the old and you're to put on the new. That in in the new, there's power to live differently. Power to live differently. Well, I can't do it in my own strength. Yeah, that's, that's old man thinking. New man thinking is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Old man thinking is, oh, I'm just a slave to this. I've given in. New man thinking says, well, according to the power of Christ that's on the inside of me by his spirit, he'll give me the ability to make the right choices and strengthen and empower me from the inside to choose well and effectively. He says, be transformed in the attitude of your mind, in the thought of your mind. Imagine this. Imagine you're a prisoner. Imagine when you turn up to prison, everything's stripped from you. Everything, everything is taken and you're given a set of clothes. You put on that prisoner uniform and you're subject to the timetable of the prison. You eat when you're told. You drink when you're told. You go outside when you're told. You interact with others when you are told. Imagine you serving your sentence and you come to the end of your sentence and, and you are literally given the gift of freedom. Imagine that, that as they open up the doors and you walk out, imagine instead of putting on a new set of clothes that you carry on wearing the prisoner uniform. Imagine that as you walk out that prison, you know you're telling the world and you're telling yourself, I might be free, but I'm still a slave. Imagine you eating at the same time that you were told to eat. Imagine yourself only going outside when you were allowed in prison outside. Imagine your interaction with others being based upon what you were told in the way that you were to live. That's what it's like to be free in Christ, but still be wearing the old clothes. Paul says, take take off the old. The image, the picture he gives us is literally, it's like a changing of the clothes. For some of us, maybe we've been given the freedom, the doors have been opened, the the gift of grace has been given to us, but maybe we've not yet understood that there needs to be in the process a change of clothes. A change of clothes tells you something about yourself. A change of nature tells you something about yourself, that I'm no longer a slave to the stuff that I used to be enslaved with. I've been unclothed by grace and I've been reclothed in and by his grace. The old man, the Bible tells us, is dead. He's dead. And when we live like we used to, it's like we're trying to resurrect things that should never be resurrected. The old man is dead. And he says, Here how you, here's how you live in the new person, in the new man. 
is that you do it by knowing who Jesus is. Now, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. You could be in, in, around institutions and, and churches and religious um, structures your whole life. And you can know about Jesus. But what Paul has to say, this isn't just head knowledge. This is heart and life transformation. And that comes not by learning more about who Jesus is. That comes by growing in your knowledge of him. Personal relationship. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will. The word that Paul uses there for knowledge, this is Paul's prayer for the church in Colossians. The word that he uses for knowledge is epinosis. And it's not just knowledge and information. It's not just information you were given in, in a school or in a context or you learnt. Knowledge was transferred to you. You grew in your knowledge and you have greater understanding. That's not the knowledge. Epinosis means this. It means knowledge that comes through personal experience. That you will grow not just in information about God and Jesus. I know people who have a lot of information, so do you, about who Jesus is. But the measure of their heart transformation shows me and you that they've probably not got much personal experience of who he is. Not in a re religious formula and, and from a religious institute in terms of, you know, what I, what I do and what I don't do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about growing in your relationship with him. Knowing he's leading. Hearing his voice. Because Paul says, in order to put off the old and embrace the new, you've got to grow in your relationship with him. Your knowledge of him. As you grow, as you move forward. Spurgeon says this. So if you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you must live with him. First, he must himself speak to you. And afterwards, you must abide in him. He must be your choice companion in, of the morning hours. He must be with you throughout the day. And with him, you must also close the night. And as often as you may wake during the night, you must say, when I awake... I am still with thee. Spurgeon's talking about is an intimacy of relationship that goes beyond just a head knowledge, but this is heart transformation, embracing him, knowing him, growing in him, and moving forward. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says this, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Maybe some of us today are fresh. We've got to remind that old person, you're dead. Now I'm being made new in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Listen to this. The old has gone. That's pretty final, isn't it? Not going, not will go. Gone. The old is gone and the new is here. The old person is the seed of Adam and sin. The new person is the seed of Christ and victory. And you and me can be victorious. In your area of struggle, in the issues of your heart, you can have victory. You can overcome. 
You can see it through. You can make a change. You can, you can, you can. And we tell ourselves in the old person says, I can't, I can't, I can't. The new person says in Christ, I can. And the victory is on its way. So maybe for some of us afresh today, we just need a recommitment, rededication. The old is gone. The new has come. The old categorized by the things that Paul's already talked about. Ignorance of, of Christ. Separation from him. The new is characterized by a transformed mind which, be, which begins with a victorious, not defeated thought. That we could live with a sense of optimism rather than just subjected to our na old nature. Then he goes on, he says this, the third thing, the last thing. Emma, if you want to come. He says this, he says that there's a nature to this new person. He says the old person is gone, the new person is here, and now he wants to talk about the nature of the new person. He says this in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. The things that you gave yourself to before, Paul says, stop it and now live differently. And this new life is characterized by the impact and influence you can have on others, not just living for yourself. He goes on, he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. When I read the list of, of the new person, the nature of the new person I think two things the first thing I think is mild, the Ephesians must have been messed up like he's giving them a dressing down and a talking to This you shouldn't do that, don't do this, don't do that I'm thinking man they must have been messed up and then my second thought is so am I so am I when he gives me the list of the new person there's something in the middle he goes that's a, that's a tall order. That's a big call to speak the truth, to handle anger maturely, to not steal, but to be hardworking. In other words, not to take, but to give, is what Paul's saying. One who guards their mouth and one who does not grieve the Holy Spirit. That is a tall order. But God, by His Spirit, empowers us to live that kind of life not a perfect life but a new life in a new nature here's what Guzek says he says there are many ways to grieve the Holy Spirit we can neglect holiness and grieve the Holy Spirit we can think purely materialistic in purely materialistic terms and grieve the Holy Spirit 
the Spirit exalts Jesus. And when we fail to do the same, we grieve the Holy Spirit. What a great quote. That of everything Paul says in this list of the new nature that God's given to us and wants us to live in, he says all of it is about lifting Jesus up. That's what it's all about. I don't know whether you saw, and I'll finish with this illustration, I don't know whether you saw in the news um, a, a trial and a case uh, in a, that was taking place in America a few weeks ago. And the case was, uh, there's a, a female police officer who, who'd finished duty, she was in uniform, she'd gone home. And uh, as she went home, um, she went to the wrong floor and she went to what she thought was her house. And she opened up the door, it wasn't her house, it was a floor above. And there was a guy sat on the sofa eating ice cream, watching TV. And the, the story, you can read it for yourself in the tabloid, the story goes, she pulled out a weapon, she pulled out a gun, she shot him in the chest, in the leg, and killed him. And the trial, the, the trial's been kind of aired publicly. And uh, I don't know if any of, you, any of you have been watching it in the news, like following it along. And she was convicted of a murder. She got a 10-year sentence. And the 18-year-old brother of the man who'd been murdered, he took to the stand on the last day. His brother who got murdered, the one who got shot, he was a choir director in a church, a born-again Christian. And so were all of his family. And the 18-year-old stood on, on the, the, in the dark and he addressed the police officer. And he said this. He said, because people were angry. She got 10 years sentence. People were angry. They said she should have got longer. And he looked her in the eyes and he said, I want you to know, I don't want you to rot in jail. He said, I want you to know, I forgive you. And he said, I want you to know, God forgives you too. And if you'll reach out to him, he'll save you. The whole, the whole, you know, the whole courtroom silent. Tears began to trickle down people's faces. And then he turned to the judge and he said this. He said, do you mind if I give her a hug? And the judge said, you go ahead. And he got down from the stand and he walked over to the woman. She came and she threw her arms around him. It must have been a two, three minute cuddle right at the front of the courtroom and he whispered it in, in, in her ear all you need is a small bit of faith in God and he'll pull you through as I, as I watched that as I, I've seen the video you can watch it online as I, as I looked at that I thought how is that possible how is it possible that in the midst of severe pain there could be an embrace of love. That in the midst of a lot of hate, that there could be forgiveness that's spoken in. And there's only one answer, Jesus. It's that that young 18-year-old boy had been forgiven by the Most High God, washed, set free, the old person gone, and now standing and living in the new nature. And I should imagine it cost him a lot that day. I should imagine there's a process that he's going to have to walk. 
I should imagine he's going to have to live constantly in forgiveness. I should imagine that. But what gave him the power, the nudge, to make a choice like that? Because the new nature, the new person acts, thinks, and lives differently. Sometimes it lives in a way that's contrary to what popular belief is, popular opinion is. But it's transformed. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit bravechurch.co.uk.